0: You are listening to the IFH Podcast Network. For more amazing filmmaking and screenwriting podcasts, just go to ifhpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Indie Film Hustle Podcast, episode number 678. False. When things change, I'll be happy. True. When I am happy, things will change. Kyle Cease. audiobook. If you want to order it, just head over to www.filmbizbook.com. That's filmbizbook.com. Enjoy this episode with guest host Scott McMahon. Okay, today's episode I'm
2: super excited by. Today, I have screenwriter Rob Edwards on. It's bonkers. It's like over two hours long, but it is just packed with such great information. I wanted to dig deeper into one area that I have a particular interest in. It's the Pixar Brain Trust Storytelling Meetings. So how does Rob fit in? But here's a quick bio of Rob's work. Rob grew up in Detroit, moved out to Los Angeles, and had an agreement with his dad that he would find work in the industry within the first nine months he was there. Now, here's where Rob's hustle is on full display. Now, this was back in the mid-1980s. He would call every production company in town and ask the person on the other line if they wanted to hear a joke or a piece of gossip. (laughs) Most of the time, Rob was able to get a laugh from them with his jokes, while those who picked the gossip would share even juicier stories with Rob of their own. Now, all the people at these production companies would ask what Rob wanted. Now, Rob didn't ask for anything in return. He just said that he would call back and let them know. So when he calls back the people at these production companies, they remembered him. And when he asked for work, they were more inclined to hire him because the fact that at least there would be a guy around the office who could tell jokes all day. (laughs) Rob would work these production gigs during the day and at night write his scripts. Now, the hustle paid off because he was eventually hired as a writer for television before he was 21. Now, that's crazy. Since then, here are Rob's credits. He's been a writer on Full House, In Living Color, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which most of the stories are based on his own experience while attending prep school in Detroit. In fact, Rob went to the same school as Aaron Sorkin, who Rob worked with on Studio 60 later on. Now, we didn't get a chance to go into detail about working with Aaron Sorkin, but I do hope to have Rob back again one day so there's talk about more stories, you know? Rob's work eventually landed him over at Disney, where he wrote Treasure Planet and The Princess and the Frog. Rob was there at Disney when the Pixar guys took over story development, and that is where we pick up the story. I've always been fascinated by how Pixar continually knocks it out of the park with their stories. In the book, Creativity Inc. by Ed Catmull, who was one of the founders of Pixar, explains how the development of this brain trust group has been proven to be invaluable to the storytelling process for Pixar. So I'm thinking, how does it work? What happens in those rooms that is different than getting studio notes or working in a writer's room? And now, here today, we get to find out because Rob worked firsthand in these brain trust meetings for the Princess and the Frog. What I hope you get from this episode is some real world strategies of how to make your stories better. I mean, after all, it's not every day you get to sit in on a Pixar storytelling meeting. So sit back and enjoy my conversation with Rob Edwards with the film trooper the the goal was to try to help sort of the uber independent filmmaker the the one that things have changed so much in the the filmmaking landscape obviously you have the studio system you have sort of like the indie hollywood like people that have one foot in the studio system one foot yeah. foot in like the film international film market and there's probably like 90% of everybody now that has a camera and can edit movies on their laptop right now they've entered the scene but there's a there's a different sort of business economics for them and, and, you know, we're just sort of discovering it. And, um, but at the core of all this is still telling a great story. Exactly. So, cause I, um, yeah. also came from the video game world for like 12 years. I worked oh, cool. at Sony PlayStation and I was a cinematic supervisor there, uh, making, you know, movies for video games. But, uh, our department was considered fluff because, at the heart of all video games is the gameplay. So if movies and television is, if story is King, then in video games, gameplay is King because you yeah, can have exactly. amazing graphics on your video game, but if it's sluggish, if it's not fun to play, right. People put it aside. So, yeah. um, I wanted to, um, if you in, would indulge me, just like imagine this setup where we have these Uber independent filmmakers that they are learning the skill sets as a filmmaker yeah. to right. shoot, edit, you know, direct what, what it may be. But we do see a lot of it fall short in terms of the storytelling aspect of things. Yep. And with your history, with your um, experience, um, I'm really curious about what you saw in the transition. Um, one, working in writers' rooms, working yeah, exactly. a collaboratively. Mm-hmm. But then on top of that, working with Disney – um, especially on that transition when um, Pixar, you know, came in yeah, and exactly. I, I would really love to know more about, could you take us through a little journey of like how the brain trust meetings work or oh, sure. it's because sure. Uh, if, if what I'm trying to do is if there's something there, if there's these nuggets there that we can then identify and say, okay, so if you're like an uber independent filmmaker and you're writing your story right now, how can mm-hmm. you simulate on your own by, we were talking about the accountability group, you know, or yeah. mastermind group. Exactly. Could yeah. you create something like that that's very specific to creating your own version of a brain trust group? And if so, what would be those inner workings that that uh, we could apply that'd be like, oh, like, how do you get in a room where people can be free to be be have candor without being right. insulting? You
1: know? <laughs> exactly. Well, that's see. That's the thing. I, mean, yeah. I, I The the question is is kind of the answer because it's that is the for me at 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 Disney Pixar. I I saw um the pre John Lasseter uh, Disney. You know, with Treasure Planet. That was all. You know, the old regime where there were levels levels after levels of middle management and, uh, and everybody. And, you know, sometimes a note would come down from on high, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, and it would get, uh, uh, some, something simple. Like somebody would just read something and say, Hey, I wonder if we could do this. And then middle management would just pound us and say, this has to happen. You know, there's no, you know, uh, uh, uh there is no other version. And we would look at it and we would say, Hey, look, we've tried this. It doesn't work um, it makes the movie bad. Mm -hmm. And they would say, no, we got this note and you have to do it. And then we would do it. And, um, it would go back to the person, you know, the voice on high and he would say, what is this? This is, this is crap. I said, well, this was your note. This was an, you know, this addresses your note. Like, no, 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 that was just a thought, you know, once it didn't work, you should have thrown it out. And that's what, you know, middle management kind of does to kill you. Mm -hmm. What's great about the brain trust is that, um, it's two things. One is, I'll say the impossible part of it, uh, we'll start there. The impossible part of it is you're never going to find yourself in a room with Brad Bird and, you know, Anderson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that these guys are going to say, hey, it's very important that your movie is good, you know, and, uh, and we'll invest in it with, a, with an artist's heart. And, um, you know, uh, that's very tough. Having said that, you can construct rooms of filmmaking. I before they were Pixar, mm-hmm. they were just a bunch of guys who almost got shut down, you know, for Toy Story. Yeah. Toy Story was a mess. The first draft of Toy Story, the first version, first set set of reels of Toy Story was a mess. Woody's yelling at everybody. Um, you know, everybody was cowering in fear. It was the most by their admission, the most unlikable film ever. And then uh you uh, know, what 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 Pete, Pete and Bob said was that, uh, Pete, Dr. and Bob, uh, said that um, Andrew Stanton kind of went into a room and figured it out. We'll be right back after a word from
0: our sponsor. And now back to
1: the show. You know, he went into a room with all of the texts, you know, Doc Truby, the whatever, and uh, Robert McKee and all the <laughs> notes that they had had. Yeah. From everything, along with his own thoughts about, you know, movies that he'd liked, the notes that they had gotten, you know, why wasn't Pixar, you know, why wasn't Toy Story working? Um, and how had they arrived at this place where, you know, even Steve Jobs was saying like, okay, guys, maybe it's, maybe this isn't, maybe this isn't the, the, the right, the right fit. And he came out and said, I got it it needs to be this and this and this. And and those are the rules that you always see, you know, in their Ted mm-hmm. talks and stuff like that, you know, of, right. of, of, of what they do, which they frequently break, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> the bad guys in every movie, they have happy villages. They just don't call them happy villages. There is a, you know, there is an, I want song. Everybody has to state what it is. They, they, they want. Um, uh, Uh, but those rules, basically what they do is they enforce the rules and the way that the, the, the brain trust works, at least what I saw is that they start off, um, what you don't get, that you do get sometimes from your buddies is, Hey, great movie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And that's a, that's the worst thing in the world. You know, it's, it's just, um, it's the, the, uh, uh, I would say savagery of low expectations. You know? <laughs> or, this is very good. Yes, don't change a word of it. That's awful. What you say is, okay, what is the biggest problem? That's where that's Andrew where understand would usually start. So, okay, what mm-hmm. is the biggest problem? Let's start there and then let's let those things filter down. Because some of the smaller problems that people have may – be things that started with the bigger problems when you She's,
2: say when you say big problem is that the actual what's the biggest problem of the story not working or exactly. what is this the biggest problem in the story or like what is the protagonist's problem
1: right. the biggest problem with the story not working okay Thanks. and it and it is it is your buddy will say oh it works it just needs this a the brain trust says it's not working you know the the um the The default is it doesn't work. These movies just don't work, you know. And if they are, if they're good, it's still not good enough, you know. They're not Mm -hmm. great. They're not everybody's favorite movie. You're not gonna, um, you're not gonna turnstile, you know. (laughs) You're not gonna leave the theater, buy a ticket, and come right back in. Yeah. Um, Yet, especially in the first second draft, a lot of people will stop there. That's a that's a major problem I see a lot. Is that writers will say they'll do a draft or two and they'll say, Oh, great. You know, this is good. It all works. And then they'll stop. You can't, you have to say, okay, well what you have to plus it. You have to say, okay, what's the next level of this? You know, we have a really great, uh, Edna mole has has a, has a great scene. She's auditioning the costumes for the new Incredibles. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fine. But what's the next level of it? You know? Yeah. Oh, great. Let's put her on a chair. And the chair goes back and forth. And we have everything. You know, we show everything as it's happening. Okay, awesome. You know, now it's plus. you know. And then can you plus it even more? The reactions to it, all that kind of stuff. Because def- just-
2: Yeah, I'm sorry. That's definitely like a flaw within like this world of the uber independent. Like they... Exactly. They kind of work a script a little bit, but they just get it to a good enough. They're like, I think I can make
1: this. (laughs) Right, right, right. Exactly. You know, and you can make, really, you can make anything. And sometimes that's uh, the best thing a a professional can do for you is to say, okay, this, you can make this, this is fine. You know, you can roll the cameras, it'll it'll all, it'll all shoot well, but you're going to get creamed by the, by the critics, Mm -hmm. you know? You're, it's good enough for 40, for 40% ripe tomato, you know, yeah. <laughs> but you're not going to get that 99 unless you super, super push it. Um, and especially with independent films, there are fantastic independent films. And then there are some that you just say like, Oh, you know, I can, yeah. uh, I, I, uh, that when they, when your friends send you the links, yeah, yeah. Everybody knows yeah. <laughs> yeah, if your friends send you let you watch it. It takes you four, four times to get all the way through it because you're just kind of like, okay, well, this is, this is OK, but nothing is really gripping, you know, uh, getting me grip to the, the, the screen. Uh, at, on the other hand, you'll see, like, you know, the Marvel films, the new, you know, the, the, the new Marvel films, mm-hmm. the um, obviously the Pixar films, uh, films that are well told. They drive you, you know, you instantly have um, a, a character that you understand that you really want them to achieve their goals. And then the uh, the opposition is just monumental and then you're just watching them be clever and cool and, and, and wonderful and, and make their way through the story. Um, yeah, well, then that is that is a school of storytelling. And the way that you get to that is that thing where, you know, somebody at the table, um, hopefully everyone at the table says, look, let's start with protagonists. What does a protagonist want? And how much do they want it? Straight up, you know, first question. I'll see Dozens yeah. of scripts, stacks and stacks of scripts. And I'll ask them, I'll say, I'm 20 pages into this. I can't tell who, you know, what the protagonist wants. I, if I can tell who the protagonist is, mm-hmm. I can't tell what they want. And that just sucks. You know, that means, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you have terrible friends. You know, <laughs> nobody has read your script, uh, you know, with any honesty and told you, you know, look, it is a chore to turn the pages of the script.
2: Can I ask you with the, I know that, with you know, obviously Pixar, Disney is, an, is animation and, um, in the pitch process, like when the brain trust group comes together, is it just, is the initial meeting just the script phase or do they come like, here's the script phase with some uh, storyboards or, you know, they, they put up a board and somebody acts it out or like, how does the, how does the other members uh, uh, acquire the story? Are they is it presented to them or do they actually read a script, come into the meeting? And I guess the second part of the question, is there like a moderator is, you know, all right. Or is it more of a loose, like. All right, everybody. This is the story we're making. You know, Rob's new story. He's right. the director on it. Um, right. We read the script, or we've seen the pitch, or we're ready for their pitch, or like, how does that? How does the room work then? Uh, I was just curious because if, if I'm going to do something like on an Uber independent level, yeah, should I come to the table with some storyboards and present it as much as possible? I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out how I can, the best I can to simulate what they're doing in the brain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, Andrew Stanton has this thing. He says, uh, "Be." be wrong as early as possible. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you're going to be wrong. You know, it's, it, it, and, and again, that's always the assumption. It, it, it is broken. It is broken until the last possible second. And even um, Ron Clements and John Musker, yeah. did, uh, you know, Prince of the Frog. And, you know, and Treasure um, Planet. Yeah, and Treasure Planet. And, and you know, uh, uh, a little thing called Little Mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> a little thing. <laughs> yeah, that, that those guys, um, what Don Hall, the head of story, he would say they like to leave the paint wet. Meaning that you're always developing, you're always um, you're always coming up with ideas. You're leaving that door open for that new wonderful idea to come in. Uh, even when I was working with Aaron Sorkin on Studio sixty, mm-hmm. uh, he would uh, we would talk about you know uh, um, it was kind of a paperless office. <laughs> you know you don't write it down. Don't lock any idea down. It's just you're just talking out stuff. So when you start off with 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 John Lasseter. And I was working on a project called um, uh, uh, King of the Elves. It was uh, based on a Philip K. Dick short story. Okay. And what you do is you start talking about who are the main characters going to be. You know, and in this case, it was kind of like I wanted to, just for me as a writer, I wanted to address some of what I was going through with my, um, I have two sons. And, um, And just this idea of what is it, what are you looking for a son to do? When do you know that a son has is ready to go off to college is ready to, you know, has become a man. Um, you know, as a father, you're always searching around for stuff. You're you're trying to figure out fatherhood as you go. And so what is it, you know, what is that look that you want to see in your son's eyes that says I'm ready? And how do you get there? And can we do that in the, in the, uh, in the course of this, this story, which is essentially about these, sorry, which is essentially about these, uh, (laughs) uh, 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 Elves and this guy who essentially inherits inherits this elf world. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so yeah, so 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 you start there. Okay. Well, these are this is the emotional palette. This is what I think is is, is going to be fun. Let me kill that thing. Should sure, here, sure, sure, go ahead. Sorry about that. No. Um, do you want to clean? Um, where did I start? Well, well you're uh, talking about
2: your the, you're working a story about you have two boys, but you know yes. when do you get that moment? How do you how do you capture that moment when it's in their eyes that they're ready for manhood or ready to leave the nest or whatnot. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so for me, that's what I was expo- you know, that's just what I'm exploring in life. And I thought, okay, this is a great way to, to, um, uh, to write it and kind of, you know, share it with people. Uh, I'll have a lot of insights on it. It'll, it'll be informative to me. It'll be a movie that I would want to watch, which yeah. is start. And then I, I was talking to, uh, uh, to John about it and John said, Oh man, my son is 16 too. And there's this look they give you. And, and everything. We just started sharing stories about, you know, just how do you get through to them and what do you give them? And, you know, just how do you raise a boy? And we're sharing stories, sharing stories, sharing stories. And I said, okay, excellent. I know, I know what I'm going to do. We'll be right
0: back after a word from our sponsor.
1: And now back to the show. So I go off from that basic conversation because I know, okay, good. He's an audience. I'm an audience member. And that's another one of the Andrew Stanton that I I cling to, which is be a film goer first, a filmmaker second. So I go, I set out to um, uh, look at the story, which is very light and say, okay, what can I do? Basically, how can I get a rise out of John? (laughs) You know, I'm Mm going to story. Yeah. What can I do that's going to get a rise out of John? What are going to be those real great honest moments um, uh, that we can do? So I go through what we, you know, story team. We, we kind of plot and there's, it's fantastical and it's all kinds of stuff. But at its core, it's got this really great emotional um, emotion to it. Just like Princess and the Frog or any of those. Things. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, then, uh, and then you are pitching kind of a wall of, of drawings uh, you know, first act is on one wall, actually second act is on a, <laughs> it's on two walls. And then the third act is on the, is on the next wall. Um, you know, cause for the second act is always in two parts of two A to right. B yeah, uh, with the midpoint and then, uh, you know, and, and it's funny because John will, and I use this method all the time, John walks in and he goes third act, he walks right up to it hmm. and he says, okay, where's that moment? And you say, well, you know, it's, it's there. <laughs> and. And what he's looking for is what's the epiphany? What's that little thing, you know, where the, the, um, uh, where, you know, Ray is going to turn into a star or when, you know, uh, the, both Tiana and Naveen are going to decide, you know, to, uh, that they're to trade their journey for their relationship mm-hmm. uh, you know, the things they want. Um, what is that, what is that moment like in, in, uh, yeah, in every, you know, when, when Luke, I uh, was, you know, when, when Luke chooses the you know, uh, the, the force over the, over the, uh, right. You know, know, what is that? And what is the, and then you go back and you say, okay, great. Well, what are the elements I need to tell that's that story? And so he's looking at that point at the mechanics, and then you go through it, you pitch it once he's, once he has bought off on that, that moment working, Great! Oh yeah, I can see that. I can see crying at that moment. Then you go back, and he says, "Okay, you know." <laughs> he sits down in his chair, and he says, "Okay, Act One, Scene One." Mm-hmm. A flaming ball of fire comes in from space, and blah, 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 whatever <laughs> you pitching it, and you're trying to give it as good a look as you can. Yeah. Um, you know, it 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 doesn't help you to soft sell uh, a pitch. You know, even if it is rough, even if you just have little heads with smiley faces on it, yeah, you pitch it, you know, it's your favorite movie. So you're, you're, you're going with it, going with it, going with it, you sell out and, and, and go. And then he says, okay, great. I see it got slow here, got slow here, whatever I bought off on the ending, but, and then you start doing your story math, right? Mm-hmm. If you're gonna, if you're gonna have Luke use the force to sell, you know, to, to shoot down the Death Star. There should be a scene in the middle of the movie where he realizes that the force is stronger than, you know, than, than just any mechanical concerns. What if we put a helmet on him or something? Right, right. Something miraculous happened and that'll be that. And then how do we get him there? Well, okay, cool. He should be a kid who wants to, I don't know, he wants adventure, and how many of these movies start with, you know, I want I want to live more than the provincial life or I want to, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But looking out of the window, uh, Harry Potter wanting something, you know, something better than living under the stairs. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, where Poe is looking at his his shelf full of things going, oh, man, it would be so awesome to be a kung fu master. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Neo looking, you know, uh, 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 seeing the rabbit, you know, that 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 there's that call. And then you say no, you know, because you can't Mm -hmm. just whatever, jump on the thing. You have to say uh, uh, no to that call. And then you go through, like I say, the story math. What's going to get him into the second act? How is he locked in? Well, for Luke, you're going to burn down his family. (laughs) His family is the only thing keeping him in this world. His uncle says, no, we're going to sit here, Mm -hmm. you know, drink green milk and be a good boy. And um, and, uh, so you burn that down because Luke's first intention is just to um, is just to get the old man to the bar
0: That's and it. be done yeah. with
1: it yeah. you know look I'll get you that far, but I, you, know, you're, you know all this other stuff is crazy talk and, uh, and by the time he gets to the bar he's kind of in it and, and then off they go on the adventure or whatever you know uh, and the first part of the adventure is, um, is impossible because the planet has been destroyed and then yeah. you're just going getting him deeper and deeper into it all you're doing is looking at that endpoint, like when is he completely bought in? When is he going to sacrifice his life, take on this his role as you know Jedi Master and whatever, and embrace the ways of the, for- uh, the Yeah, Force. Um, that's the whole thing, and you're going to make it difficult for him all along the way. You're going to build up the opposition as much as you can. So. Going back to the, 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 the brain trust, mm-hmm. those are the elements. You're looking at it and you're saying, okay, you're telling this type of story. And a lot of times, it's straight up film theory. I don't know if you're a film student or whatever. but right, right. All you do in, in film school that is wonderful is you watch a ton of movies. <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah. And you're watching old musicals. You're watching whatever, you know, for me. When I start a movie, I'll go, you know, I'm going to watch every spaghetti Western that ever was. Boom. You know, and I'll just I'll just go through my Netflix queue is just, you know, just flooded with stuff. I'm going to watch every kung fu movie, um, uh, every crazy kung fu movie that I can find. And I'll just go through every single, every thing, single weird one. Um, I'll do all of my research. I'll just kind of become imbe- you know, just Im- completely embedded in, in this stuff. Let it seep into my DNA, and then I real, and then I'll see the matrix. I'll see, okay, this is how these types of stories are told. Mm-hmm. If I can stay on this path, I think I'll be fine. And I think also I'll be satisfying the audience that um, uh, that enjoys this type of movie. So, you yeah. know, and, and then off I go. Then I know, like, um I'm working on a project right now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, air for for uh yeah, a studio. I'll say a studio hey, a Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's you know completely mainstream, but it's um one of the things I said was was uh, the audience has seen a ton of movies like this. Mm-hmm. And um and the uh it's in the category of the of like maze runner and 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 you know yeah. uh, insurgent and, and and those kind of things and the audience of that of that genre is often like they're really super skeptical you know if you if you show them like what is it there's a ton of these kind of percy you know, things you know there there're a bunch of these movies that come out and and the audience just never absorb you know just never takes them in and 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 then you're done and so there are things that you need to do. There are tropes that they want to see, but they don't want to see the same tropes that they've seen in the other movies. So you have to mess with them and mess with them in a very clever way so that it sends a er- very early signal that, okay, this is cool. You know, forget your popcorn, lean in and, and enjoy the movie. Yeah, That's the plussing. That's the extra, 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 mm-hmm. right? Um, and hopefully like the, a bad room would be a room full of people who don't all like, making the same kind of movies. You know, they're going to pull you in every direction. Ah, uh,
2: I see. You
1: know, you go into Marvel, and all those guys have read every single comic book. Mm-hmm. If you throw off a reference, they will all go, oh, yeah, and, you know, <laughs> this and this, and then you could do this, and then the room just explodes with everything. You know, all the minutiae everybody will go, you know what's great about that issue? It was this and this and this happened. No, here's what I think. I think this is what made it great. But this, you know, this episode and this, this issue and this issue didn't do well because of this. And everybody will have their theory. Mm-hmm. And then you say, great, if you can move towards this and away from that, you'll be fine. Um, and that's generally what happens in those brain trust meetings is it's a yes and um, kind of table.
2: That is, that is literally the same principles of improv Yes, exactly. It's, the The whole teaching is uh, an actor will give you something, and the other actor has to say yes. And yes, it's exactly. literally that's what it is. I I, I but, act I act up here in uh, Portland, so um, you know, just my acting friends and stuff like that. So it's one of those things that's just funny that you brought that up. Yeah.
1: Do more of that because it, it, it becomes, uh, for me, um, yeah, I, I did a lot of improv in college and I did some. In stand-up as stand well. Up yeah. and, and improv, yeah, uh, after. And uh, even in my stand-up, I would leave, I'd, I'd always, I I'd, I'd consider it in quarters, right? I would mm-hmm. do um, my introductions and kind of get everybody into, like, this is who I am. This is where my comedy is going to come from, guys. So get used <laughs> to it, yeah. We'll be right back after a word
0: from our sponsor. And now back to the show.
1: You said it. Yeah, exactly. 10 jokes in, in, in this area. And then I would kind of like, okay, now that we're friends, now that we know each other, here we go. You know, we're going to mm-hmm. go into this. And then third quarter, I would just kind of kick back and I'd say, hey, let's talk about something. And I would just riff. And, um, and it, you know, I would just, I would ask the audience a question or else, you know, or whatever. And I would just go on whatever I was given, just lean into it and, and fly. And then I'd of course wrap it up with some, you know, some stuff that was money you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And at night and, you know, whatever, drop the mic and take off. <laughs> but, but that, that, and, 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 frankly, it's also the same kind of thing that happens in a TV room. Like you had mentioned yeah, before, yeah. you know, um, in sitcom rooms, that's exactly what happens. Um, cause literally you cannot afford in a sitcom room for somebody to go, nah, I don't know, you know? Uh, so when I was running tables, I would always say buy it or beat it, you know, being, um, okay. There's an idea on the table that I believe to be very good. If you think of a better idea, pitch it now, otherwise we're going to build off of the idea we have, but we're not going to spend an hour and a half just kind of shooting, you know, just t- telling everybody why it's a bad idea. So, um, so it winds up being really, really great. So that's exactly what you find in the, in the, in the Pixar room. Somebody will say, well, what if, you know, that's the first thing, <laughs> what if, and anytime anybody says, what if, and whatever, the, the room gets really quiet. <laughs> even if you have, even if you have your own, what if you're like, okay, great. I'm just going to get in line. Yeah, yeah. Um, what if we turn the whole thing upside down and this happens and then this happens? And instead of everybody going, oh, shut up, Yeah, yeah, you you go, okay, if that happens, then this would also happen, and this, and this, and then this would happen, and this, and this, all the energy winds up around that that idea, boom, 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 and you're just building a mountain off this idea, and hey, you know what's a great sequence with that? You can do this, and this, and this, and then somebody else will say, hey, and that will fix this scene, because you can do this instead, and they'll start pitching the dialogue, and everybody will be cracking up the jokes and all that. And then sometimes you get to the top of, the, of that mountain, and you go, I don't know. <laughs> <You> know <laughs> built This whole thing, and you say eh, it's good, but it's not necessarily better than what we had before, mm-hmm. or it's good, but it's a whole other movie, or whatever. And then it gets quiet, and everybody digests what we had, and then the next person says, well, what about this? Boom, and then you start, you build again. Same energy and everything. Everybody gets into everything. There is no – there is some negative – like some people will say, ah, you know, we tried that and blah, 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 blah. But if you were going to make it work, here's what you would do. I see. So everybody is looking at it in terms of um, they're making the movie. Mm-hmm. And, and that you get too, which is – you know uh, which I think is wonderful because Brad Bird is going to have a different idea in his head. And Pete Doctor. Yeah. And Pete Doctor's gonna have a different one than, than than Mark, you know, than um than even even John. You know, and John's gonna have, you know, whatever. And everybody's gonna it, it's an orchestra, right? So John is, um John's got a big heart and johnsy or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's he's a big kid, so he's gonna love the, you know, uh, a big block scene. Um uh Andrew is looking to make sure it's you know you're checking the boxes uh, uh, Pete's got, you know, Pete's got his take, you know, Brad's a cowboy, you know, he's, he's, he's doing his thing. And, uh, and in that symphony you have like, okay, great. This is this wonderful set of ideas. Um, uh, even what is it? Michael Arndt, you know, who wrote a yeah. yeah. uh, you know, uh, uh, little Miss sunshine. He comes in and he, I love the way he thinks, because he thinks a lot like me. I'm a I'm a structure guy. Uh, you know, when, when, I, when I started doing um, sitcoms, there were two rooms well, three rooms. There was there was the room of guys who would think about the stories. There was story guys, you know, who mm-hmm. would who would um, uh, as you were breaking the story, they would sit down and say, well, it should be this and then this and then this, you know, and just plot out the plot out the story, knowing where the jokes were going to come. And then we would invite a larger group in, and then those would be the joke guys okay. who would, would come in and say, oh, yeah, and then this and this. You know, th- they would have great dialogue. And I, I saw very early, you know, they were like, well, which room do you want to be in? And I was like, I want to be in the room with the exec producer. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and that's the story room that those guys seem to be – those guys are working all the time. And those guys, anytime th- stuff was wrong, they would kick the jo- joke guys out of the room, and a very small group of story guys would work would work through it fascinating and story guys were the guys who would hold the pencil meaning they would make the last decision they would write down whatever the choice was um, and and so I like that a lot and even now as, as I'm working in features and stuff it's always the story guys who are kind of called in when things are really wrong they'll, they'll say okay Please help us, you know, yeah, yeah. what's wrong with it. And you go in with your toolbox, okay, unmotivated character, the third act moment doesn't work. Let's build back from that. What are the values um, that, that we're doing here and go through?
2: And, um, before I go to the, I just want to kind of recap, sort of like make sure I'm, I'm grabbing the essence of everything you're talking about. Sure. Um, there's, it sounds like there's a little bit of a, a I think your cable might be hitting
1: um, i think it's hitting my shirt so okay <laughs> yeah yeah you get you that's get loose good. don't worry it just just you it? and i yeah there you go yeah, okay
2: good is it going clean 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 is yeah yeah good? yeah Yeah. man it's not too, that. not too bad it's but i just uh it's such great information you have and um <laughs> it's just you and i on the video so it's all good
1: <laughs> <laughs> i just now look like a prison shirt or something <laughs> okay. well,
2: hopefully cool. no, that's perfect so the um what we can, what I can gather from here is, I like this concept of one: make sure that the room that you create, the the group that you create, if you're going to create your own brain trust group, um, you know, if you're writing a horror genre, you know, make sure you have people that like it.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> to, to, that helps. I've studied up on it. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. That know that know the genre, that know the tropes, um, that have a passion for it, that that can gel with you as well. As I like this idea that. You start from the end. What is, what is that one thing? Or just have that conversation. Like, what is the one thing you want out of this film, this story? Is it the moment? What is that magic moment, that third act moment that makes it the payoff all worth it? And then reverse engineer, go back from the beginning and work towards that. I like all that. I love this. That little note you gave about the second act, the midpoint of like, if the payoff in the third act, that, that magic movie moment, is a, it works you have to give us a little taste of it in the midpoint which is great you know and it, it totally makes sense but then obviously the people that you put together have to know you know their story structure or you know that they're just they're film geeks or other filmmakers themselves that are that have an opportunity uh to contribute to the storytelling process where you know we all seem to do it anyway after we watch a movie we're like Why did that not work? You know, like I think my wife, my wife and I just rewatched the remake of poltergeist last night. Right. Exactly. And we huge fans of the first one. I mean, we watched that many times over and seeing what happened, you know, our own analysis of of taking away. And it's interesting the the conversation you have just saying, why why didn't it work? Because you're trying to figure out like what's gut wise, what's, what's, what's something's off. Why isn't that working for us? And, uh, I think it was, I think it was like, it took an hour, like originally like a two hour movie into an hour and a half and yeah. it was like go time from the beginning. Like there, there right. was no one, it was just like bang, bang, bang. There was no time to catch your breath. And it felt, it definitely felt rushed than all the, the wonderful cinematic, you know, visual visions of the stuff, but it was, there was some soul aspect missing, I think.
1: See, that's the thing. Cause that, and uh, cause I was going to ask you, okay, quick, <laughs> what, what, what did you think was, was, was missing? So in what part of the movie do you think it was missing from? I think if, if you, if your conclusion was that it was soulless yeah. and we're, and we're in the brain trust meeting right now. So, okay, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this if is great. Your conclusion was that Poltergeist was soulless. Where, how do you fix that? Where, what, what, what had they taken out? Because you have, in this case, it, it's empirical, right? You have mm-hmm. a movie that works and a movie does not, that does not work. Oh, yeah. That yeah. are the exact, that are supposed to be the exact same movie. Right. So you can kind of look at them side by side, um, you know. And and I'm notorious for this. I'll get iTunes and I'll just I will watch five minutes of one movie, five minutes of another movie, the next five minutes yeah. of one, movie and the next. And I'll just I'll completely go go through because a lot of movies will have. If you watch Point Break and uh, Fast and Furious, they're the exact same movie, right? You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they will tell you they're the exact same movie, and um, uh, uh, at every You know, in every way, you know, um, and, and so the question is, okay, great. Well, those two work now, now this one. Okay, great. So, so we're back to it's soulless. That's our problem. Where Mm -hmm. did that come from? We'll be right back after
0: a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Definitely. I think from watching
2: the remake, um, And being a fan, like you said, being so well versed in the first one and seeing it many times over, you know, all the nuances, you know, all the scenes. But mostly from the from it was there's a sense of wonderment and awe and sort of respect for this this deeper uh, conversation about the paranormal that was existed in the first one. Again, (laughs) we're talking about somebody remaking Spielberg.
1: Right, exactly. Well, yeah, you but, know. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, but Spielberg's got a bag of tricks that is very interesting. And, and uh, when I look at Spielberg, I always look at, um, man, I just had this conversation with, uh, uh,
2: uh With Spielberg uh, himself?
1: No. Uh, well, <laughs> it, 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 his daughter went to school with my son, so it was oh, it, okay. it, it was kind of fun. So we, I, like, I, I know the guy. And, and and his and his other son took karate class with my older son. So it was oh wow, okay. Crazy, you know, so it was just all this crossover. But, uh, but we never were like, "Hey, tell me about Jaws, you know whatever, but yeah. I did get a chance to, uh, to meet the writer of Jaws. Um, I sat dinner with him uh, uh, a couple of nights ago and and we were talking just about those things, the minutiae of, mm-hmm. of all of that stuff and And when I look at Spielberg, I always look at when i 'm analyzing a filmmaker, the first couple of films, the first two films um I may have mentioned this earlier, but that that, that um I always look at them when they 're in their infancy, when they 're trying to put together their bag of tricks. And then I try to find what is their worst film. Yeah. And for Spielberg, it's 1941. Which right. Is, which right. Is there. And in 1941, he is doing, he's showing his bag of tricks, but he's doing everything wrong. Mm-hmm. And you can tell like, Oh, this is what he, what he does. Great. Everything that he does great in the, in the, in the first couple of movies, he does really poorly here and everything that he did. Great. Like an ET. Mm hmm. And this gets to the answer of, of what I was digging at uh, yeah. uh, with the two guys, is that it's the first act, it's a first act problem that that you when you buy into something emotionally, it's if you don't feel it emotionally, it's because when we met those people, we didn't care about them.
2: Exactly. You know, yeah. if
1: it's a roller coaster ride, if, if they're thinking, well, the best thing about pol- guys is the little girl gets sucked into the TV and whatever. Yeah. and There's a closet and all that stuff like that is not the best thing. It's about this family. It's about this guy who is who is, uh, you know has moved his family into this into this new environment. He's worried that there is something wrong with the area. There's this drumbeat of weird things that have been happening uh, around the area, and you're filling in the character. It's like it's like jaws. it's like E.T.. It's mm-hmm. everything. The conversation that they have at the uh, at breakfast in et before et shows up is the most important conversation you have um yeah i remember in princess and the frog there was this whole thing of we were just we were trying to get them into the bayou as quickly as possible mm-hmm. and the note we kept getting back in the brain trust because that's the other part of the brain trust right as you screen the movie you're showing the movie to a lot of people and they're giving you notes back. Everybody in the building, everybody at Disney, everybody at Pixar, you get reams of notes. Hmm. Um, uh, I didn't think, you know, this is a problem, this is a problem, this is a problem. And then they put the notes into sections. So some is about, you know, the, the main character, some about, you know, uh, the story itself. And then we were getting all these notes. I, you know, the, the story seems funny. I just don't care. I don't care about the journey. Yeah, And I said, well, that's a first act problem. Same mm-hmm. thing. And you didn't care because she wanted to have a restaurant, but you didn't care why she wanted to have a restaurant. So I said, well, hey, I saw this drawing of a dad.
2: I love this Which, story. Yeah. The, yeah. This, keep going on. This is a great one. This, yeah, I don't okay, want to... Yeah. This is a good there, was a,
1: there was a dad, a, a, picture, a drawing of a dad, and basically they were trying to figure out what the mom looked like. So they had drawn a dad just to figure out, you know, what were the features that, she, that Tiana had gotten from both of her parents, and then that would be the mom. And there was just a drawing, and I asked the, the uh, character designer, what, you know, what, what is this? Like, oh, he explained it. And I said, well, this is, can I borrow this? And I took it back into the room. I said, this guy is the most important person in the movie um, because daughters, that relationship between daughters and fathers, mm-hmm. and we've been looking, driving so hard to have a person, um, to have an emotional reason why she wants to have this restaurant, Why not? Why can't it be the daughter, the the dream of a daughter and her father? And, um, and the the legacy of that, once the father, uh, passes away, she wants to continue that dream. And then there is no way the thing can't have emotion. Um, it's a woman holding, you know, it's, it's what they did in, in up, right? The house at a certain point becomes, you know, uh, that, that Carl yeah. is trying to continue the dream uh, that he had with his, with his wife. Um, that's, that's the, and I could mention uh, probably 50 other movies that, that are fueled with that kind of emotion. There is a reason why we tell stories in that way. Um, and so once that happened, it was a tiny adjustment. It was about three pages
3: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, in the beginning of the movie and everybody said, wow, what did you do? Did you rewrite the entire movie? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, we just gave Every time you know she says the word restaurant, you know what it means. And I had to hit it, I think, in the middle at the midpoint when they're right before they dance, and then at the end when they're on the riverboat and they're looking looking out at the restaurant or at itself. And uh, it's what gets Naveen to back off. He wants to propose to her, um, and it has such huge emotional weight that it's like, okay, great. My job here, my job here is done. The mechanics, the rest of the mechanics of the storytelling were. I, won't, I don't want to say inconsequential, right. but they were less consequential because we had launched the story correctly. Um, you watch a movie like Man on Fire. Mm-hmm. They spent a ton of time. I don't think anybody dies until the midpoint of that movie. Yeah. The whole movie is about this broken guy's love for this little girl and how this girl redeems his his soul and makes him, uh, uh, stops him from committing suicide, Yeah, you know? The bullet doesn't go off. There is something, you know, the god of the story has a larger plan for this guy. And it's about this. It's about this relationship with this little girl. Um, and, you know, he starts coaching her about, you know, don't be afraid yeah. of the gun and and all that. And, and, and they have this wonderful, wonderful relationship. So at the point when she's kidnapped, you're like, oh, no. you know, <laughs> Yeah. Go down. Because now this guy has license. You know, um, he is he it. is fired up. And if you look at, I'm sorry, one last one ex, last example, but if you look at uh, Taken. Taken mm-hmm. follows the exact same model. That girl doesn't get t- kidnapped till deep into that movie. Yeah. Heart, heartbreak, heartbreak, The pony versus the you know karaoke machine. All of those scenes. If you're looking at it from an executive standpoint, you'll think, "Oh God, you know the movie's really about it. It's a shoot 'em up." Mm-hmm. And why is it taking 60 minutes before the guy fires the first shot? <laughs> you know, yeah. well, like, can't we just condense this? And and you have to, as a writer, as an artist, <laughs> say, no, people don't watch buildings burn. They watch people saving the people they love that are in the building that is on fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? That that's drama.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. You know, you brought that up. I, it got me excited because you were saying like how important the setup, how important the first act is. And if you look at some movies back in the in the seventies, like even Exorcist, literally, I think the first hour, like nothing major paranormal like happens. I mean, the priest doesn't show up until after the hour mark. Like, like all the stuff yeah. we remember about the Exorcist doesn't happen until like almost after the midpoint. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, yeah. I, and because the even like, uh, Rosemary's the baby. Same thing. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, Gary, Gary, shining. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah,
1: exactly. Shining. You're just Ow. watching girls and bikes. And... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's just, and, and there are little creepy things that happen. There's mm-hmm. always got, you know, a cat topped out of, out of the box. Uh, I was, I was watching alien. Mm-hmm. Um, like same thing. It's just the day-to-day workings of, you know, of, of space, uh, 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 space teamsters. And then, yeah. and then midpoint, the thing leaps out of the guy's chest and you're, it's off, off and running. Exactly. But what we've been setting up before that is nobody listens to Ripley.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, um, these guys are, are in it for a paycheck. Oh, you froze up. Did I, do, I oh, no, no. You? Do, you, do you see me? Okay, good. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. That, that 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 nobody listens to her. That that you know these guys are are in it for a paycheck, and that something is wrong with the science officer, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, and there's all these kind of you know you're just setting up the dynamics, um, uh, and it's getting your heart is kind of in your chest. You know that something's got to happen. Yeah. Um. Uh. And then when it does, it's just like bam, 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 and then you're left. The best thing about looking at the third act first is it. It's the thing, it's the thing that you are, um, you know, the lights go up, you walk to your car and you go, man, that was awesome. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We'll be
0: right back after a word from our sponsor.
1: And now back to the show. And, and that's the thing, you know, if that third act moment works, then it's all worth it. If it doesn't work, it doesn't matter what you did up until that point. Um, nobody's going to, you know, the, the audience coming out of the 7 o'clock show, I talk about this all the time, because, <laughs> because it's, what, it's what makes movies great. It's what makes the business of making a movie, even if it's an independent uh, film. Mm-hmm. It's the audience coming out of the 7 o'clock show, their reaction as you're in line for the 9 o'clock show. Right? <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows that thing of like people are going, oh, snap. <laughs> be, yeah, 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 <laughs> be the and they're like crying or they're like high fiving or stuff, and they're they're nodding at you because they know, like, oh, this is gonna be, you know, you are in for a treat. This is gonna be magnificent, right? And uh, and it's that thing. That's what makes movies great. That's what makes movie going great. You know, mm-hmm. um, and, and everything, um, and you know.
2: Yeah, go ahead. No, I was gonna say it's fascinating because we were talking about the long setup and then we gave some examples, but you did mention even like the movie Up, and I think it's one of the greatest examples of the shortest, most heartbreaking setups ever. You know, it's uh within you're in tears within the first whatever five minutes of that story of Carl, you know?
1: Beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. And they're just it's just building up. You know, remember, they're building up for the moment when he ditches the house to save the boy, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and that's the whole, you know, that John would, you know, John walked into the room. Okay. What happens? He crashes the house. He throws all the stuff out, you know, to give it ballast. He's run out of balloons and, you know, uh, and he goes and saves the boy. Um, and, uh, uh, that's, that's his Luke Skywalker moment. Right. 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 And so, so in the beginning you want to say, well, if the house doesn't mean anything, right. Again, story math, what mm-hmm. I call story math. If the house doesn't mean anything, that moment's not going to mean anything. Everybody's going to go, so what? It's a house. Yeah. You know, you can get another house. But like, no, no, no. This house is very special because it is the embodiment of, you know, his relationship with his, with his wife. Is it Ellie, I think. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Ellie. And, and I believe at, at various times he calls the house Ellie.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and it's the he's working towards the picture of the house on the, on the mountain yeah and so you're going to give him that and then you're going to take it away you know it's, he's going to get all the way there realize it's it's not worth what he thought it would be worth and then he's going to go save the boy great so you need and uh i, I forget who it was, uh, uh there is a one the co-director of um of inside out Ron, uh, so ronnie it's- del Carmen. i want to say okay he, th- I believe that was his sequence and that put him on the map as a star or, you know, I, he, he'd been on the map as a star anyway because he's a fantastic artist but he was the guy who who walked through that sequence and said, it stripped it of its dialogue mm-hmm. uh, he had temporary music that was, that was wonderful for it this, this kind of very you know, his ballad kind of thing um, and it was amazing you know, just the process of how that sequence came uh, came to be because it you know obviously the first twenty drafts of that sequence were not that sequence yeah. you, know, you really had to kind of work on it, work on it, work on it, and so it just wasn't it it, it would make you cry and I believe it's five minutes and thirty seconds long <laughs> you know, yeah. it is not very long in 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 pure movie movie terms, but by the end of it when you know, just that pan across the doctor's office, oh my God, you know, just just every one of those moments is completely iconic. Mm -hmm. It's just, uh, it's truly wonderful. And then it gives him license to do everything that he does, which is he won't sell the house, Mm -hmm. smashes the guy on the head when he, you know, when he's, when he's threatened. um, And now he's going to, you know, go live this dream and go to, uh, you know, this, this waterfall. Great.
2: It's amazing. yeah, yeah, I was curious. You, you, with your, I like, say, so you've history of like writing on your own, uh, working in in rooms, you know, in television, and and now working like obviously the last few years in animation. Is the advent of visuals like? Because um, I don't know if did, will you have an opportunity with uh, Princess and the Frog to go down in New Orleans. Were you part of the research oh, yeah. crew? Because, yeah. you know, I, you were mentioning like how Lasseter um, is such a huge proponent of research, like just getting oh, it yeah. absorbed into your DNA, like like yes, you've probably like, already done prior. But I was curious, um, you know, we have the TV room and we're seeing like this explosion of golden age of television, just amazing right. shows left and right. And I, and I can only count like because the power of the writers there like yes. the, and writers together pushing each other to make it great and then you have animation which allows you to i mean my past working with the sony playstation working with visual yeah. effects we always had to work mm-hmm. with visuals we always had something to draw from to try to make it you know better and i'm wondering like because now you have visual cues like you mentioned in princess the frog there's a drawing a sketch drawing about the father i was like that is huge for me and yeah i was wondering have you seen um I guess, like, how could, um, like, an independent, you know, uh, borrow from this concept of, like, should they just inundate themselves with so many look frames or drawings or initial sketches, anything like that to, like, inundate themselves of what their world would look like? Uh, So if they brought in their own makeshift brain trust group so that everybody could connect to, like, oh, what's that? What's this? Or, you know, how's this fit in the story? I don't know from your any like stories you could share of like just like you said you're walking around you're seeing artists or somebody pretty much the film made in like visual format before even like even one written word is put on an actual traditional script I guess I don't know right
1: well that's the uh, the, that's the fun of the new the new tools uh, we'll call it is. It's. Um, I know that Robert Rodriguez. His his process is very similar to the Pixar process, which is. Oh, interesting. He kind of pre shoots his movies. Hmm. Um, and he will just with a handheld camera, or I don't know, a cell phone, or whatever. He'll get his actors in a room, and he films his rehearsals. And he takes them back, and I don't know if he's using you know whatever you know Final <laughs> Cut Pro, whatever it is. But you know, as easy it is uh, as it is to edit something. He just edits it at home and then he goes in the next day if they're shooting the next day and he'll show it to everybody like this is this is what this is. And here's what I think is wrong with it. Here's what I did to rewrite it. And and here we go. You know, so the second thing you see will be that Um, Woody Allen shoots an entire movie, edits it and uh, edits it, shows it, you know, takes a look at it. And then, I don't know if he gets outside feedback or, or, or anything, I assume he does, and then reshoots the entire movie. Hmm. It's always in his budget that he will shoot it twice. So you do it, um, and obviously, the, you know, the first version is not just everybody kind of slogging through, not wearing their costumes and stuff. It's an actual movie, you know, <laughs> and then he shoots it again. So, um, uh, and I think that, that that is a great way to go. Um, if you can you know, Ridley Scott storyboards his own movies top to bottom and i believe shoots the storyboards and show you know shows shows those yeah so that the the first draft and the way I look at it is, you know, from a Disney perspective, is that when guys are drawing, right, they, they take a blue pencil, it's very light, you can barely see it, yeah, and they just start drawing and whatever, and they're just, and the lines are everywhere, and they're, you <laughs> know, it's, a, it's a complete mess, and they're drawing over themselves, and they're doing whatever, and then they start to see it, and then they'll 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 take out a black pencil, and they'll start tacking it down, and they'll, you know, okay, great, here are the eyes, here's where the eyes go, here's whatever, because you're kind of trying to see it. On the page, and only a handful of people can just start drawing with a black pencil and, and, and go you're sketching sketching, sketching until you see it yeah. if you if you listen to a band right the band will go you know it'll sound terrible the first a bunch <laughs> of time. and then they'll kind of gradually uh, you know come come down to what whatever they're doing sculptors the same way it's a blob an amorphous blob for so long, and then they start to tack down little sections. And, uh, writers are the only ones who don't do that writers. I'll see them go, Oh, I have an idea, you know, fade in, go in, you know, interior (laughs) grocery store day. And like, who does that? Nobody does that. You don't think that way. You, you say, I want to make a movie. I think it should be kind of like this movie that I loved when I was a kid, or it should be, I want to make the best, you know, um, badass six-year-old, you know, whatever magical power movie that I can. We'll be
0: right back after a word from our sponsor.
1: And now back to the show. Here is a precedent of of, of other, uh, you know, badass six-year-olds. Um, here's where some have gone right, and others have gone wrong. And uh and this is what moves me about this kind of movie. This is why these kinds of movies are my favorite movies. And this is where others have fallen afield. I think my movie is somewhere in here. And and then you get out. Like I'm old school, so I have like you know yeah. I have a, you know just a, a clipboard and a, a fountain pen, and I will sit down and I'll just start writing. And it's rarely dialogue. It's just. What do I love about these kinds of movies? I love this. I love this. I love that. Hey, my favorite scene in one of these things was blah, 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 blah. And, um, and my least favorite scene is blah, 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 blah. Excellent. Um, I like to eat my dessert first. So if I'm writing, I will say, well, here are scenes that should be in my movie. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> these are great scenes. And, and if I can just string a, a clothesline between these scenes, I think I'll be okay because mm-hmm. these are the classic scenes there should be the mentor scene and the so and so and the equipment you know the <laughs> badass piece of machinery you know or the you know the great gun or whatever it is you know a cool monster a you know fantastic spaceship a you know all these kind of stuff I'll put those in and then I'll say, okay well great now i'm gonna make try to make myself cry in the third act and go <laughs> you know? um yeah, and that's you yeah. know but but it's always starting from like amorphous amorphous you know the 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 ink you know the, the paint is wet the there is no paper i'm just freestyling until i find like it should be this and then i'll start to give it shape and tack it down um and then only last the last like uh, it, it's it's i often will write the entire thing uh, um uh by hand and, and then after I've gone through the whole thing, then I type it into you know, uh, software.
2: Interesting. Do you know, is there a difference for you between like uh, plot and character or is it the same? Like, cause I can see like doing an outline, constructing like the, the logic of the world of where you want this moment to go for the protagonist and maybe the protagonist, like you, you see like a major change that's going to have to happen for this character. But once you kind of maybe have like the simple idea laid out, Mm-hmm. Then do you, do you go in and start like thinking like, okay, the dad character a lot right now, my early drafts are serving exposition. Well, how, yeah. then how do I make that character more interesting? Cause there was this whole, um, uh, I think you were talking about it, like, um, in, uh, Jason Buff's, uh, podcast about how like in finding Nemo, there was all these wonderful characters, all the supporting characters, mm-hmm. even no matter how small the character is, like each fish, had some interesting story. One scar. Yeah. One like was nervous, or I don't know. It was just it was yeah. just rich with content because or context because it was so each character was so unique that way as opposed to just being serving up exposition. Do you see that within those uh, group meetings you have, or oh yeah, or sometimes somebody goes, I, I have a this is the character. I don't know what story was going to happen with them, but uh, I don't know how. Like, did you see it go both right. ways?
1: Right, right, no, that 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 it's the interesting thing is and and it's it's um it's fantastic question because it is i think at the crux of um most i'd say a good 90 percent of filmmakers don't understand this one specific thing Mm -hmm. which is that there should be no difference between character and story but there is a huge difference between character and plot ah okay The plot is just. Um, I was in this. Uh, uh, <laughs> it was a master class in in, in France, uh, in Marseille, and this. Uh, there was a guy who had done this web, these webcasts and stuff like that. It was you know really charismatic guy, really energetic, you know, uh, great storyteller in quotes. And I'd done this thing, and I'll 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 talk about it a little later because it, <laughs> it it re- remind me to tell you this thing okay. that, because I I think it. it it helps all writers. Everybody that I've done it with, with, with writers, it makes them a lot better. Um, but, uh, uh, but this guy is telling the story, and he's going on. He's pitching me this, this movie, and he says, oh, and then an alien comes in. And blah 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 blah. He's pitching, pitching more and more. The Italian guy, right? It was like, yeah. And then this happens, and then and then they fall into an abyss. And then a guy has a gun and whatever, and he shoots his grandma and whatever. And he's just going through, going through, and going through. And I'm watching the audience, and I and I stopped him for a second. I said, "Watch the audience as you're as you're doing this. Keep going." And he says, "Oh, what?" And he keeps keep going. And then this happens. There's a big explosion and whatever. And I said, I said, what, what, what do you think I saw? And he says, uh, after about two minutes, everybody started talking to each
3: other, you know,
1: he <laughs> just tuned him out. There were a couple of his friends in the back that were kind of smiling, <laughs> but really towards the end, everybody was just, everybody was just hiding from the thing mm-hmm. because he was, because it was, um, it was mostly, sorry, I'm going to do something to the screen. Sure. I have, I have, uh, uh a flux. <laughs> and, and i didn't realize that it's been it's been kind of making the image uh uh more sleepy as we go oh. <laughs> so, so sorry. but um uh, yeah so, so I, I said look at the audience and the audience is just completely tuned him out i said why um I said, well uh, uh he couldn't figure it out i said well because you lost your character mm. first you didn't make me care about your character and second as it's going on you were just, its just getting more and more, uh, you were using plot to try to save you from character. And I said, okay. And I, I pitched his own, his story the same way. And I pitched it all character. You know, this guy comes in and more than anything else in the world, he wants this. And everybody goes, oh, <laughs> but you know, this guy also wants it and blah, blah, blah. And he wants it even more. So in the very beginning, the guy, boom, whatever, he takes it from him, and now he's sitting there going, oh, no, what am I going to do? Now, aliens attack and blah, 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 and whatever, and everybody's leaning in as I'm, as I'm telling the story, because you care, you know, you give a crap about the story. Before he was doing plot, what I was doing was character. And you know, if it's, if it's Finding Nemo, every character that, um, that Marlin passes should develop him as a character. You're going from the journey of a guy who's overly cautious to a guy who's going to let his kid do this mm-hmm. dangerous thing. In um, in The Incredibles, everything that passes Bob Parr's, you know, we set him up as a guy who will save everybody at any time. You know, whatever doing the whole thing, everybody that he passes, every experience that he has is is basically kind of to show that his addiction has gotten out of control you know, <laughs> <laughs> and until he even finds an enabler and the, enab- Oh, great. Excellent. I'm going to go off to do this thing. <laughs> and I'm just going to completely ignore my family. Right. Cause those are the two values that are at stake. It's, it's, do you, are you going to reclaim your, your, your glory at the expense of the thing that you, that, that, you know, uh, your future, mm-hmm. you know, your family, you were once this guy, now you're this guy, you need to be more than Mr. Incredible. She says yeah. pointedly, you know, thematically um, in order to do it. So every single scene is going to be him desperately clinging to his former life. He's in the meeting with his boss and he's looking outside and he can't, con- you know, and, and he's just seeing a guy getting his, his pocket picked and he can't give it up. You know, yeah. he's he's there with the old lady and the old lady is, is, is worried that she's going to lose her thing. And he can't, you know, that, that is his new life. He just won't do it. Everything, everything he's doing is, is kind of these things buttress, buttressing up against each other. That's the nature of storytelling. That is character. You're developing that character mm-hmm. to the point where the character has to make this decision of like, you know, I can either go and try to save the, you know, save the city by myself, which I know I cannot do, or I can trust my family to help me. I can do this as a family and, and, and off you go.
3: Yeah. Um,
1: you know, that that's that, that in, in that way, as you're telling the story, it's very clear what's muscle and what's bone, you know, that, that, um, or what's wheat and what's chaff, right. Mm -hmm. That, that any scene that doesn't have him moving towards, um, either on the upside where he's, he is completely like, yes, regaining your former glory is the most awesome thing in the world you can do. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's the build to the midpoint. And then, he's, and then at the midpoint, ha ha, I've killed all these people and now I'm going to kill you. And he can't get out of here, whatever. <laughs> now he can't get out of the room. And he's, you know, those, those little, uh, orbs on him, gun, yeah. yeah, whatever, yeah. wind up whatever. And now, oh no, this is where it's gotten you to mm-hmm. the, you know, to, to the terrible, terrible, um, uh, midpoint. <laughs>
0: We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor.
1: And now back to the show. <laughs> and then it's the family is going to go rescue him, right? So now you're on the downslope. And so everything that happens from that point on is look how cool this family is when the family is unrestrained.
3: <laughs> you know? Yeah.
1: Until you get to this point where it's he's bemoaning the fact that, you know, it's almost a fa- false act, too, right? The, the rocket is headed towards the city and, um, and Bob is sitting there saying, oh, I can't believe what I've done, you know, <laughs> you guys, this is really terrible. And his daughter, who says, yeah, yeah, blah, 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 daddy, whatever. And she saves them all right. very easily because he's not thinking about family. He's thinking about himself, yeah. right? So we're driving, driving, driving toward that moment. And that's all character. Um, you know, every scene in that is a scene that you absolutely need. Um, uh, and none of it is, none of it should feel like plot. Yeah. Uh, it is all to drive the guy towards making that decision.
2: It's really interesting because we started our conversation about talking about mastermind groups or accountability groups and like how it's so much easier to look at somebody else's problem or look at what they stand for because we can see from an outside perspective what's in front of them. Right. But we as individuals are so wrapped up in our own stuff, we can't, like you mentioned, we can't see our own, get out of our own way. It's oh, own, right. uh, yeah. And we were talking about there's so much things that we have to unlearn to yeah. be able to be. And then we're here we are talking, you know, character uh, uh, and story and all these characters, or you know, especially with the Pixar stories we were talking about, and 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 you know the stories we were mentioning, there's there's this aspect of baggage, or these yes. these known beliefs that they hold on to for so long, but that third act moment, that John Lasseter moment, he's talking about, mm-hmm. it has to be this let go of all that in order to have that transformation at the end. Exactly. But it's funny because we were talking, we started talking about it in real life. And we're seeing it happen in stories. It's like, oh, wow, that's, that's, that's fascinating.
1: And, and, and really, that's why I think that is why um, like, I like to look at well, screenwriting, everybody, you know, it's the technology of screenwriting, but really we're storytellers, mm-hmm. right? We're guys in, in, in rocking chairs, you know, saying, hey, this is what's, this is what's important. And that's why is because we always we're, we make the same mistakes you know, <laughs> all of the time. As human animals, as machines, whatever that we are, we um, we make the same mistakes all the time, and so we tell ourselves these stories like, "Let go, you know, of that, and embrace the new." Um, one of the things I I'll say, like in master classes all the time, is you can learn how to speak uh, French without learning without forgetting how to speak English. <laughs> you know, yeah. you can accept a new philosophy, a new way of thinking. Just try it out, and then. If you want, you can go back to what it is, is you do. But a lot of people will say like, well, wait a minute. I don't like, you know, I'm not such a big fan of Disney movies. And you guys are, you know, uh, you guys, uh, it's all a factory and blah, blah, blah. And and, and <laughs> I'm not going to make movies like that. And I'm like, okay, well, let me see what what it is you've done. Yeah. And it's amorphous, horrendous kind of way. And like, what are you doing? You haven't, you've so resisted all of the kind of rules. And not just necessarily like the the Disney rules or the Pixar rules. But just the rules of general storytelling, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, of that fifty characters, fifty main characters is not a good way to go. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know that that a film without conflict is not is probably not going to work all that well. Right, um, a film that is about something that nobody in the world cares about is is not going to be uh, is not going to be enjoyable. Um, there are, but a film a terribly constructed film about something I really care about and a per, you know, a, a person who is, uh, who is wonderful, who I want to see more of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, that that film is going to go through the roof. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's yeah. going to be me. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to, and people are going to say like, what, what was that that you were, you kept talking about? You know, I'm going to go on social media and say, Oh, okay, look, I'm going to go out on a limb and just say that this movie was the best movie you know, mm-hmm. that I've ever seen. And, and that's, especially from the indie side, that's what you really want to, you know, that's what you want to want to start with is like, yeah. I'm not, I'm going to make my favorite movie. I'm going to make a, a movie that is, uh, that is the favorite of all of my friends. And, and here's, and here's how I'm going to sit down and, and, and do it. Cause you mentioned
2: too, about you get a lot of screenwriters, like the, the crazy question of like, Hey, what software are you use? You know, it's like, that's like yeah, the, exactly. last, the last question you need to know. Cause it's, it, you need to know story or just tell right. story and write story. And that's the same plague that's technology's having right now, I guess on the independent side, which is everybody's got a camera and editing tools and they're just, so it's like, what are you shooting on? What are you shooting on? As opposed to right. who, who cares what you're writing, what software you use to write, who cares what camera you use to shoot because the bottom, the, the, The essence, the core is everything we talked about here is this really I love this whole thing. Like, how do you level up? How do you push beyond and in building a system of the right kind of people around you and having that kind of system in place to, you know, push, push the story, like take yourself out of it and push the story further. Um, I'm excited. We will often
1: often say like animation is not a genre, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just it's just like a different camera just like black and white is not a genre, yeah it's, it's just a way you know you still have to tell great stories, you still have to connect with people. Just animation is a way that you're, that, you're, that you're doing it the The rules are always the same,
2: yeah, definitely
1: listen, I want to keep you, I know we're a little over an hour, oh, but um, okay, sorry, I, I did have one other yes, this one other thing, and this is just like it's been my soapbox for for, for a couple of weeks because I, I keep uh, um, uh, I, I'm sure your listeners will get a um, uh, should get some value out of this anyway. <laughs> I was I've been uh, because I'll do these these um, these master classes and a lot of times the, mm-hmm. the format of the master class uh, when I can do them I, I do maybe one a year you know, just to kind of like uh, get going right but the um, but a lot of times what I, what I'll do the the my favorite versions of them and I just revised it is the writer will come in they'll sit next to me and they'll pitch their movie to the to the rest of the group and then we'll go through it and we'll say okay what's right about it what's wrong about it we'll kind of do a pixar room with it and what i keep discovering is that sometimes the uh the writer's ability to pitch can severely impair you know the (laughs) the entire experience and so what i started doing is i said okay let's let's the first day like let's not even think about don't think about your movie i'm going to give you two movies to, to to work on because if you're um, and I see you're into guitars. I love guitars. No. <laughs> the first thing you do, if you're learning piano or guitar is you learn like Mary had a little lamb, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you just yeah. plunk out the easiest song in the world. And then you go to, okay, great. Now I can learn a uh, C and a G and an F. And I can, out of that, I can play a bunch of bunch of different songs. I can play a bunch of other people's songs until I get really good at it. I can play most of, you know, Simon and Garfunkel, but I can off of those, off of three or four chords, I can, I can make my way around uh, a bunch of different songs. I am not composing at that point. I'm just learning how to play guitar and I'm learning the dumbest songs that I can first, Mm -hmm. the simplest, the two chord songs moving into threes. And then I'm, and then eventually I'm going to start Oh, okay, good. Here's a little riff and stuff like that. And until the point, um, but it's going to take me a little while before somebody says, wow, you're really good at guitar. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so um, the same is true of, say, uh, a painter. They'll go to a museum. They will set up their easel. And they'll just look at, you know, you'll see these, these painters mm-hmm. repainting the painters of other painters. They'll go and they'll go stroke for stroke. They'll walk up to them and go, Oh, that's what he was doing. That's the brushstrokes in this little section. That's how he made the sunset look particularly bright. Excellent. And I'm not sure if I've mixed my colors right the same way that that guy did. That's it. Oh, that's what he's doing. The composition of this thing. Oh, great. I see four or five paintings that have the same kind of composition. These guys must have all studied each other. That's awesome. Now I have a greater understanding. I'm still not painting my own stuff. Yeah, You know? I'm just learning about what, what people do. So what I say is, uh, okay, tell me one of two stories. I'll say the Three Little Pigs, or the um, or Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Yeah. And, and you know, always my first question is, what who's the who's the protagonist of Goldilocks and the Three Bears?
2: I, I because- know this only because um, I've heard you before. But go ahead.
1: Oh great! great, great. <laughs> oh excellent! Oh, I didn't know if I did it. Maybe, no, no, no. no but this is good. But, yeah,
2: pe- but please go ahead because this is such such this is such great uh aspect of your master class but uh
1: do you want me um i know but i like, go ahead you, you, <laughs> yeah right and most people will guess goldilocks because the story is called goldilocks and right. it's like, no, no no it is a it is a crime and then a <laughs> detective story
0: we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor and now back to the show yeah <laughs>
1: right. yeah goldilocks goes in Breaks into a house, eats porridge, sits in a chair, um, eats all the porridge, sits in a chair, breaks it, and then sleeps in a a person's bed. (laughs) So it is an active crime going on. And then three people return, three characters return, and um, and one is eating, one one is eating, one discovers something is wrong. One sits down, one sits down, one is, oh my God, and whatever. And then they, they, they go pursue it. So the baby bear is the, is the protagonist of the story. Mm-hmm. Now go tell the story. But tell the story in, you know, what are you going to do with the story? Now, you know, now you have your own edge to it. Uh, are you going to tell a story about a boy who really wants to go to sleep? <laughs> you know? yeah. Are you going to tell a story who's, uh, about a kid who's really hungry? Are you going to tell a story about a kid with anger issues who is trying to hold it down? Whatever that angle is, you know you have you now have the form, or for, you know the format, mm-hmm. and you can go and tell tell that, and then get good at that. Get good at telling that story of, of doing your cover of Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Um, then once you're feeling that, now go start pitching your own stuff. You know, get that. And the way I, I look at it is, you know, you've just seen, um, you just saw Star Wars. You know, you just saw, you know, the J.J. The, the Abrams, Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And as you were leaving the building, it burned down. There was an oil fire. The whole thing burned down. You know, all the <laughs> yeah. prints, everything. And now everybody turns to you and said, oh, what was it? You know, what happened? Yeah. A lot of people, when they pitch, they'll go, okay, well, uh, there's a ship, and a bigger <laughs> ship. And, you know, and this kid comes in and he's taking out garbage. And then there's this kind of hipster who's really mean. You know, there's a soccer ball that you know does stuff, whatever yeah. and it's like no you know it, how do you tell that story you are the last lifeline of this of the greatest movie ever made yeah. how do you tell it um and and have that behind you but with a story that you already know get comfortable with that if it's, mm-hmm. it's your tape recorder whatever And then go, then you have that set of skills and you're not pitching garbage. And you also are learning from those reps. This pitches well, this does not pitch well, (laughs) you know, this is the essence of storytelling. Um, most of the time, and I mentioned it before, most of the time, like right now I'm doing a, you know, this little superhero thing and I watched everything. (laughs) It's everything. And I rewatched everything from the point of view of me making this new movie and I'm taking notes on it like, oh, great. You know, they spend a good Iron Man spends a good long time in the middle of the movie just becoming Iron Man.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Spider-Man
1: spends a good long time in the middle of that movie uh, in, in both, uh, you know, first versions, you know, when uh, when Uncle Ben died, um, spends a lot of time on the suit and the web and the thing, you know, the mechanics mm-hmm. of becoming Spider-Man. That's a big part of our enjoyment. They don't just put on the suit and like, oh, here I go. Um, it's it's a big part of the journey. So great. I have to have that in mind, mm-hmm. um, you know, and just kind of going through it, understanding it. And then when I pitch it, I'm pitching it like it's Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, I just had this meeting. A day or two ago, you know, and I'll get up, I'll run around the room, you know, I'm shooting stuff down or whatever. Um, I, you know, I have this uh, this this total enjoyment because I love these movies. You know, I I want first I want them to make my movie, yeah. <laughs> you know, but second I can't wait to see my movie. You know, I can't wait to be in line, uh, you know, for the nine o'clock show when the seven o'clock comes, you know, right. uh, uh, comes out. So anyway, <laughs> I love that seven and nine. That's, that's my little soapbox. I I. I i i am glad I said it in the other one and I, and, I'm, and, I'm, and hopefully like i say i I hope it's valuable to your uh to your it's,
2: podcast. It actually it's extremely valuable because i had you know with my podcast I have just people will email me you know occasionally and just you know they're just asking advice or opinions and i I made a point to a, a young filmmaker i said if you kind of want to test yourself as a filmmaker whether or not you're a good director or not uh Make a short film based off of some um, very famous short story that's in public domain. Yeah. Something that has proven, like, that exists, like an Edgar Allan Poe story. That's something that's like, okay, this exists. This is a historically well-known story um, that has all the elements in there that make it successful. Mm -hmm. So, if you can, uh, one, write it, adapt, adaptation of it, and then, two, if you're a director... You can test your directing chops that way because it's all the elements are there. You know, the story's solid. You know, it's a, you know, short enough that you can make it within your means. And then if it it falls flat, then you can go back and figure out why it fell flat because it then it puts you because you can't blame anything. Like I can't blame this. The the story didn't work or the screenwriter didn't write it right or something like that. It's I mean, there's all these elements there of like you really, really want to test yourself as a director. That's a good way.
1: And, and look at the, yeah. look at the success you know, out, out of Sundance, right? The, the uh, birth of a nation's uh, sold for 14, uh four. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, that was a take on the already established movie. You know, it's his riff yes, on, on, on this movie. That's I can't wait to
2: there. see it. Cause it's definitely a long overdue take on that movie. Yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it should, it should be and, and And that enhances the viewing of the movie. And I think too, yeah, with a lot of short films, um, uh, that I see, I'll always say, like, what short films did you watch to inspire you to do this? Because most of the short films I've seen, especially the, the you know, the, the good ones, you know, the Pixar ones, and also the yeah. really good live action ones are very, very simple. One, one person or two, mm-hmm. you know, in a relationship, and then that slowly evolves over time. Um, there was a, you're talking about riffs on, there was this YouTube <laughs> thing that happened, that I thought was great was the Power Rangers thing with uh, I don't know if you uh, you saw that the, the fan film or which one yeah the fan film yeah. the Power Rangers fan film I guess they they had to take it down yeah but it was fantastic oh I was like I'd never you know this guy's take on Power Rangers you know the wink is of course it's Power Rangers right. but, but it's the, like the, dark the, it's and serious. yeah <laughs> yeah <exactly. laughs> you know, there's Dave Vanderbeek and stuff and like oh this is this is seriously enjoyable this guy can. I can't wait to watch this guy make a movie, mm-hmm. you know, the Deadpool, um, uh, trailer, you know, the, 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 the little, yeah. um, sizzle, uh, off of that, you know, that's a first time director. And now of course the, the biggest, the highest grossing, um, I take my first time director. It was, you know, it is something that we have seen before, you know, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a thing. And. The way he did it was just fantastic, you know. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like, because the other thing that I would put to that is the short story that you adapt should be one that you absolutely love, yeah. and the way that you do it should be you should be showing everything that you do great. You know, if you are a great cinematographer, it should be a beautiful movie. Mm-hmm. If you are great with character, it should be great, whatever. If you're funny. You know, don't try to make funny if you're not funny, <laughs> you know, stay away by all means, because one bad joke will kill you, you know, as far as uh, the, the enjoyment of it. But, um, yeah, if you can work, if your best friend is a fantastic actor, <laughs> you know, yeah. go do, you know, get on him. You know, call it every favor, you know, hey, I give the speech at your wedding, you know, come, <laughs> come show up for, you know, for an hour and a half and, and, and help, me, help me in my movie. Uh, Robin Rodriguez will talk about that. Like, yeah. don't anything that, you know, I have a friend that has a bar. I have another friend that owns a bus. You know, like, great. Uh, there's going to be a bus chase and part of this is going to take place in my friend's bar. Boom. Awesome. Just- then, you, you know, production value goes through the roof and you're on the map as a as a serious filmmaker. No. Yeah. And definitely yeah. Like, like
2: all those processes helps it, the idea is to kind of keep yourself in check to keep humbled so that, like you said, if you're in, to put yourself out there as a writer, as a filmmaker, as a storyteller, to utilize a brain trust kind of concept, yep. it, you have to be willing to accept like to to uh, but, to let go of what you've created and know that it's not yours anymore. I think Lasser man. talked about that. He said that. Yes. When they created Buzz and Woody, there was a point where they realized it's no longer theirs. It's like now they, they, they have a responsibility to serve those characters um, honestly and, and, and truthfully to the audience, you know, Mm -hmm. we're.
0: We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show.
1: And um, I think that's a, That concept is very, very important because you have to, you have to listen that people don't just give notes just for the sake of giving notes.
3: They're
1: addressing, they're addressing a problem. Sometimes a problem took place pages before what they're addressing. You know, sometimes the the wheels were off the wagon way before, you know, (laughs) this this particular (laughs) scene that that drove everybody nuts. Um, You know, it was a setup. It was the amp up to it. And, uh, and you have to be open to that. I was giving notes to a writer. He'd sent me something and said, oh, I just want to hear your input. Okay, I'm going to be tough. Oh, yeah, it's okay. And I gave him the notes and it was, and you know me, like I like to talk. (laughs) (laughs) But it was, was, I would say, four-fifths him defending the thing that he had done and only one-fifth of me giving the note. Mm. And I was like, look, we're not going to get anywhere with this because i'm not just giving you notes because i want you to talk me out of it you know i know your intent is on the piece of paper if it is not clear you know you've got to work with it Uh, you know it's not just you know I, i will give this note but probably you know everyone that you give it to will probably give the these same notes And if they don't they're not doing you any favors um but that but part of the process when you're a when you're an artist hurts to get notes it physically hurts you yeah. you know it's like somebody is 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 roughing up your baby um and and you just have to i think it was david uh the guy who created family ties he mm-hmm. said you just write down the note that's all you need to do understand it write it down then you know conclude the conversation Punch the pillows or whatever, (laughs) you know, cry in the shower (laughs) and then, and then go and look at the notes and say, okay, what did I, this will ultimately make it better. Some you'll just cross off and say, I don't care. I'll get this note nine times out of 10. Most of the time it's like, you know what? I didn't sell it. I just, Mm -hmm. there was something, uh, you know, I, my intention was to do this. I didn't, that's what threw him off and, and this. But of course you have to start off with the intention, right? You have to start off with a strong, motivated character. It has to be very clear what it is, the story that you're telling. People get bored with plot. They are excited with story, with, you know, with the drive and the conflict. You know, even Aristotle talked about, you know, uh, intention obstacle. Um, uh, Anything was, I was watching Downton Abbey, right? (laughs) Because the last episode was on and I'm oh I'm just in tears. <laughs> kid from D you know, black kid from Detroit. Probably, <laughs> you know, main demo. But uh but uh it made me go back to the first episode and watch that. So I'm watching that and the mm-hmm. first three episodes I too, And um and it's all there. You know, uh um and, and and Julian Fellows in an interview, he says, Well, I was watching West Wake mm. and I saw that how Aaron Sorkin crafted the characters in the pilot of West Wing and I took that as my template and then that's what I did in Downton Abbey. Interesting. Now you would think those two shows are completely completely different but a structuralist a a a writer who knows craft and loves crafts it's the same thing so the flirtation between the you know Carson and you know Mrs. Mm -hmm. uh, that's that's there and and the, the, the little dynamics and just the sisters, all of that's there. And, the, you know, um, progress is coming. I mean, the, the, the opening event is, is the Titanic, you know, goes down and yeah. kills dozens uh, who were, were set to inherit the estate. And now it's, you know, this, this, this other guy. So, like, cheers, right? This person is coming in. You know, because yeah. <laughs> He's lost the, the waitress. This new person comes in. You know, it, it's, it, it clocks along but it's all story, you know, it's all story. You're, you're driving towards this thing that the world is changing and the, you know, the, the head butler and the, and the Lord of the estate are saying, Oh my God, I, I don't know what's, you know, what are we going to do? Yeah. And that's the tension in every episode. That's great. that's just great storytelling. Right. Um, and, and those are the tools uh, that has nothing to do with the software. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nothing, you know. I don't care what meth, you know, what, if, if he's a movie magic, if Julian fellows is writing it on movie right. magic or he's writing it with a quill, you know, yeah. it is, it is, it is great storytelling. And, um, and that's what's going to, that's what's going to save you. You could film that thing, you know, with a cardboard box mm-hmm. and it will be compelling television.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, you mentioned some things like clear. Is it, is, you know, when you're giving notes or feedback or accepting that, I, I don't remember where I heard this before, but I wanted to implement because somebody had asked me, like, just advice, like, me to give advice, like, w- when you're giving, like, uh, when somebody read your script, I said, well, one thing you can do to get constructive feedback, I don't, I really don't know where I heard this before, but I thought it was great, was simply, uh, <laughs> was simply, when you read the script, can you read my story, can you tell me one is it clear? Yeah. Two. If it is clear, is it interesting? Bingo. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that exactly. way, that way you're not. There's no. Per, there's no. Like you can't be defensive about it. It's just like, well, I read it. I wasn't sure about what happened here or why the character did this. He goes, well, it is clear, but it, it felt like stuff I've seen before. You know. That way, it's not. A personal attack on you, like okay, so that I can work on that note,
1: and that you can kind of police yourself on, right? Yeah. That 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 you. um, uh, I was working with Dan Fogelman, who had had written uh, Cars and um, uh, uh, Crazy Love, and we were working on a a movie for Disney, a live action animation hybrid, and. One of the things that he said to me, which was great, he says on every page, assume that the person reading it might be on a treadmill and, um, <laughs> and that that person, uh, you know, you have to make the intention very clear, the obstacle, very clear, tell the story that you're going to tell clarity, mm-hmm. clarity, clarity, because you don't want the note. That's one note that you can easily take off the table. It wasn't clear. Um, I, I, I was, uh, like uh, one, one of the things that I, I, I love I'm, I'm a writer who likes to study writing. I like, I, I'll listen to anybody who's talking about uh, how they're, um, how they, you know, every, everybody's lectures, everybody's series. I mm-hmm. love that stuff. And one thing was this guy, um, the guy who wrote Four Weddings and a Funeral, um, whose name escapes oh, yeah. me. But, uh, he had also written, um, Love Actually. And, uh, before that he wrote this great series called Blackadder mm-hmm. and he he was, you know, Rowan Atkinson's like kind of main guy, and. <laughs> Uh, and, and one thing that he said is, you know, don't be afraid of writing on the nose. And he says one of the most famous lines, and I think it's Love Actually, he says, um, he says he's sitting there, he's writing around it, around it, around it. And he says, I'm just going to say what it is that's happening. And he wrote the line, I'm just a woman talking to a man. <laughs> you know, I'm oh, just yeah. a girl talking to a boy.
2: No, that's. I think that was actually Notting Hill, right, with Julie Roberts. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Oh God, was, you're right. Don't be afraid to write on the nose. That's such a great, like, simple advice. Like,
1: yeah. Then if it's, then if if people don't like it, then fine. Then that's a that's a whole separate conversation. Mm-hmm. But they won't go. What what's going on? <laughs> you know. in yeah. This stage? I was like, they're kind of talking around something. I don't really get it. Whatever. And then it just lost me. Like, no. You know. Mm-hmm. um, that that what is it like you know Darth Vader states his intentions pretty bad <laughs> you know yeah bottom the lines you know he's, he's like he, you know I will blah 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 you know he states his intentions that's why that's one of those things that you know you can dance around but you really have to hit at some point or another is uh, you know what, what Pixar would call the I want song you know that that, that nobody does everybody <laughs> you know sings an I want song in some way or another you right, state your intentions right. and then go
2: I like that. Sing the yeah. I Want song. You know, yeah. I I can't. Th- I talk to you for. There's so much. I would love exactly. to have an. I would love to have the, uh, another opportunity to have you come back on to so we could talk more. You know, the you're working with Aaron Sorkin, and just other writing. Um, you, you have your master's classes coming up. I'm gonna definitely make sure I have everybody has the links okay. and promote. You know, Rob Edwards. I know you're you're starting. That's the 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 community. And, yeah, exactly. um,
1: You can also find me uh, uh, at uh, I am Rob Edwards on Twitter. Okay, great. That's yeah. new. That's brand oh, that's new. new. Oh, that's brand new. Perfect. <laughs> I, I I was terrified of what I would do on Twitter, <laughs> <laughs> and finally I said, okay, just put it away at 3 a.m. Um, yeah, don't don't. I, mm-hmm. I try not to Twitter too much, but but I, I most uh, anything that happens that's of interest will be on there. Oh, so, fantastic. Okay. Yeah, all the blog posts, all that stuff
0: will be on. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Well, you know, um,
2: as we wrap, you know, wrap all this stuff up, I can't thank you enough for taking the time, your generosity to share with me your knowledge, your experience and this aspect of the brain trust, uh, or you know, of any sort of communal like writing group uh, that has effectiveness like that, was really important to me because I'm trying to show to my audience, like, I'm, I want to apply this stuff. So, like, literally, I think the next episode I'll be doing for my podcast okay. is, is a video hangout um, with some people I bring together to illustrate, like, here it is, um, you know, a brain trust. The, my own version of a brain trust group put together on, oh, on, on, on the, on the yeah, script that I'm, awesome. that I'm working on. Um,
1: nice. I don't and know if you, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And with those improv, you know, yeah, the, the rules, establish the rules very clearly, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Hit the bigger problems first. It's uh, yeah, a yes. And, you know, what if, and, and, and yes, and yeah. Um, and, and piling on and, you know, best idea, you know, the, no bad ideas, just build, build, build. Right. Um, yeah. That's, that's awesome. I think it's something
2: so that, that people can see it like, oh, I see how that's working. And maybe they can stop before they settle on their story. Like they exactly. can push themselves. And it's really just, it's a call. It's a, a cry out, a call to the rest of the independent filmmakers out there. Like just, you know, just because you can make it, just don't make it just yet. You know,
1: <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. like use, <laughs> use the right tool. You know, don't, you know, you, I, like, I always say what to say, you're using the wrong tools, you know, yeah. 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 <laughs> Just stay, stay, stay with, you know, three, you know, index cards and, and, uh, post-it notes and, uh, and stuff and work the story. Mm-hmm. Don't lock it down so early. It's like, you don't shellac a painting after the first stroke Yeah, uh, and, and use, use other people. It's a told, we tell stories, you know, a big part of, of a princess and the frog, we were, we were pitching that thing all the time. Mm. Um, you know, I love to pitch. I will pitch people say, Hey, what are you working on? <laughs> I will, I, you know, I'll just take over the party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, well,
2: let me tell you this. <laughs> yeah,
1: wanna, you know, once upon a time, because I want to see uh, if people are going to, if people's eyes are going to glaze over. Um, yeah. If people's eyes are going to glaze over, I want to see them glaze over. If people are, um, if people are leaning in, if people laugh at something, then the next time I tell that thing, I'm going to tell, it's going to be twice as long, you know, <laughs> build that thing, you know, to a coliseum. Uh, and I'm going to avoid, you know, just like the plague, the, the part where people's eyes glazed over. And I can probably tell why their eyes is eyes glazed over. Yeah. It's that second question. It's yeah, it was clear, but not interesting. Inter- okay. Yeah. I know it's, invent, this is amazing. vent something. Yeah. So, yeah. so awesome. So yeah, no, no, yeah. Please let me know when that happens. I I can't wait to.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm putting together. Actually, it's funny. Cause I I wrote a book as an experiment. I was telling my uh, audience in the podcast, like, Hey, if you know, filmmakers are just, we're making digital products and a lot of authors for the longest time have been writing digital products for Amazon. Um, you know, you're just selling a digital product. So what are the mechanisms of like writing, creating something digitally and then selling it? What are the marketing mechanisms of selling. So I said I will write a book and put myself as a guinea pig. So I did that last year and put it on Amazon and I've been selling it and I'm seeing what works and what doesn't work. But part part of that process of writing a book, I I also recorded an audio recording version of it, an audiobook of it. And I was like, "Wait a minute, this is I've seen this happen because I know the Blacklist has a a, a podcast." And so I did an early version of my script by recording it as an audio, basically play. (laughs) I was reading like an, it's like an audio table read, but it's, you know, you can listen to it. So the next, I'm rewriting, doing the rewrites and I'm going to, I'll record it. And that's sort of my way of like inviting my guests on who will be part of this uh, makeshift um, mass, I'm sorry, brain trust group is like, you can either read the script or you can listen to it all the bells and whistles with the actors I put in place and the, the audio cues and the music. So you can have like an audio experience of it. <laughs> and oh, then that, that way it's easier for them. Like you said, they're on a treadmill, they're in, in traffic and yeah. they can listen to the story. And then that way, when they come to the table, they can tell me like what worked what or what wasn't clear or what was it. And then we can take the, the brain trust meeting to the next level because hopefully I have to do something to create that, visual experience or an emotional experience that's just not just a written word uh right. at least that's my intentions
1: right exactly and starting yeah starting with yourself what, what i love about that is that you started with yourself as an audience mm-hmm. you know what is the book i most want to read and then you know yeah and then and you started there so so you know what it what it needs to be you also did that you know kind of what i love that tim ferris thing of like i'm a I'm, I'm a guinea pig. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I'm just going to throw myself into this and see what happens. Um, which I think is a good life experience. Like get used to getting bruised. (laughs) You know, I, I I say it all the time. Embrace the suck. You know, it all sucks. (laughs) You're always going to hear somebody going like, Oh, that's stupid. (laughs) And, and you have to just say, "Yeah, I know it's stupid now, but you know, in a couple of months, it won't be. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. If you tell if if I get the right you know if I get the right stuff. So so yeah so so put yourself you know putting yourself in the in the mouth of the lion is a great idea. Yeah that that that's going to be a lot of fun and you will you will probably learn volumes from it because you'll have that that delicious, like it's these flops, kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah, Like, oh no, this is embarrassing. And then, you know, you always pull yourself out of the ashes. Everybody does.
2: Very, very cool. Hey, Rob, thank you. Thank you so much. I I can't thank you enough, really.
0: Thank you for having me. I want to thank Scott so much for doing such a great job with this episode. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at IndieFilmMuscle.com forward slash 678. And if you haven't already, please head over to filmmakingpodcast.com. Subscribe and leave a good review for the show. It really helps us out a lot, guys. Thank you again so much for listening, guys. As always, keep that hustle going. Keep that dream alive. Stay safe out there, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Indie Film Hustle Podcast at IndieFilmHustle.com. That's I-N-D-I-E-F-I-L-M-H-U-S-T-L-E.com.